Welcome to Love with Integrity. My name is Sylvie Kukasian, and this podcast is all about relationships, how to hold healthy, loving boundaries, but also how to express yourself in a way that doesn't push your partner away. So join me for a wonderful conversation about mental health, relationships, and self-discovery. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited about today's podcast episode. It's the first um, man that I've brought actually as a guest, and he's somebody that I listened to on the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. Kate Anthony had brought him in as a guest, and I just loved his energy, and I loved what he was talking about. He's a marriage and family therapist. He works with couples. He works particularly with men and also with couples that are on the brink of divorce and really at that final, you know, that last string they're hanging on and he really helps them work through the nuances and some of the things that often get missed in a lot of therapy. Um, I'm so excited to bring him on. He has a book called The Black Belt Husband. It's a marriage book for men, particularly how to really thrive in relationships, but also a lot of women benefit from really reading this book and understanding what happens inside of a man's experience in relationships, not just for marriages, but all kinds of partnerships. Quentin works in Orange County. He has an incredible Instagram page where he offers support for both men and women and relationships. And I'm so excited to be bringing him on. Please make sure you stay on till the end. We are going to be diving into some juicy places and also offering some compassion for women who are particularly partnered with men and might be struggling to figure out how to support their partners. So thank you for being here and for listening to these podcasts. And as always, if these resonate with you, if you can write a review and share your thoughts, share what comes up for you, it's always deeply, deeply appreciated. Thank you for being here. Welcome to episode eight of the Love with Integrity podcast. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. Quentin is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He works particularly with men and couples. And I actually found him when I was listening to a podcast called The Divorce Survival Guide. And I immediately knew that I had to bring you on and your kindness and your empathy with you know really understanding men's struggles in relationships but really bringing uh, bringing that awareness into the couple dynamics so you can actually create a change was so inspiring for me I'm so grateful you're here and I can't wait for my audience to get to know you Quentin thank you oh well thank you Sylvie that's super nice and um, yeah super excited to chat with you and share some cool thoughts. And I'd, like, I'd love to hear your thoughts too, because I'm really impressed by all the stuff that you're doing out there. And I'm, I can learn a lot listening to you. So I'm excited. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, I'd like to, you know, start these things, just really getting to know you a little bit and a little bit about your journey, how you got involved in this work. You know, if there was any key moments that really um, had you choose to work with men and with couples in particular that you can share. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, I'll just, you know, the, the, the going way back story, um, I, I went through a divorce in my late twenties and that inspired me and that inspired me or pushed me into my own personal therapy. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, I have a story that's similar to a lot of therapists. I became a therapist through my own therapy. So I kind of fell in love with therapy. I fell in love with my therapist and um, uh, ended up kind of leaving a first career. So this is my second career. And um, um, I've always just, um, so, so, so through that experience, it was a real kind of like eye opening and like soul transforming experience to go through that divorce. And, um, I learned so much about myself, so much about relationships and realizing like how much I didn't know. And, um, so as I kind of launched into the world of uh, being a therapist myself, I always kind of had a little bit of a passion about working with couples and relationships and, um, you know, really just trying to kind of like impart to others felt like I had learned in my own therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always felt so uh, just indebted and so grateful for my experience in therapy. I mean, it totally changed my life. It's like the understatement. And so I just wanted to share that with other people. So I've always really, I've always had a lot of, a lot of love for working with couples and then just being a guy mm-hmm. in a field where there's not that many uh, male therapists. Um, naturally, I was um, kind of seen in my community as like a resource for guys. So just naturally, I just started getting referrals for working with guys. And then over time, that kind of became my like subspecialty. So um, I work with a lot of couples. I work with a lot of men in relationships. But all my clients are, you know, they're they're they they work with me in some kind of context about relationship health. So my journey was really inspired by my own, um, you know, my own relationship um, falling apart. And um, yeah, so that's what I really love. I love trying to help people in relationships and help men try to uh, avoid that crisis if they can. Mm. I almost wish we all got like a practice round for marriage or for a committed relationship where we can have all our screw ups and because we, we learn that way, you know, and it didn't impact the relationship in such a, such a destructive way. And yet we have to, it's like we have to go through that and feel the pain of it to really be open to getting that help. You know, it's like we have to hit our, our unique bottom version, you know? Oh my gosh. I, I was just talking to my wife about that the other day because sometimes being a therapist and um, helping people, um, you know, save their marriage or, you know, take their marriage from like this crisis place. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's an interesting paradox because I, it's, it's, it's really to the point of what you just said that, um, there's something just fundamental about human nature that we often don't really learn life's lessons until we've experienced that rock bottom, really painful place. Mm -hmm. And so even being a couples therapist where I'm trying to quote unquote, like help people um, I'm trying to help re- their relationship from not falling apart. There is a part of me that realizes that they might need it to fall apart, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's this like weird paradox that I'm always working in where I'm like trying to help them not let their relationship fall apart, but then also realizing simultaneously that that could very well be the, the very thing they need in order to change and in order to transform because i know for me personally that was absolutely my story you know i was that resistant husband i was that asshole husband 
And I had to go to that rock bottom place um, from, in my own journey in order for me to kind of wake up and realize like, oh, wow, there's like a, a totally different way to do it. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting that you're bringing this up, that piece about, I think that every therapist has that internal struggle, Quentin, where, okay, I really get that my job and my role is to support the couple to go where they're wanting to go and to work things out. And yet on the, in the back of our mind, we totally have that knowing that this would probably, even though it would be the most painful breakup to experience, it would be life altering and just give so much perspective to all the ways in which we perhaps we're not, we're not willing to show up and face ourselves. I think that's so interesting that we're starting off with that piece. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's like, and that's where I think, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a, you know, like an internal uh, conflict. It's, it's a lot like, I guess, AA or any of the like 12 step programs, you know, where, you know, the, the people that are part of 12 step programs know that like in order for someone to show up to an AA meeting and be really motivated, they had to kind of experience that rock bottom moment. And, and, you know, you hear seasoned people in AA, they'll tell newcomers, they'll say, look, if you haven't even had that rock bottom moment, like don't even waste your time. Like don't even show up because it's not going to (laughs) stick. You know, it's like, it won't, it won't even stick until, until you really feel the pain. So, um, now, as optim- I'm sorry, go ahead. It's an interesting paradox, right? Yes, it is. It is. I guess I'm an optimist, though, you know, and I don't know, maybe that's my own like delusions or something. <laughs> I, I try to think that, well, like maybe you don't have to go to the depths of despair in order to have a successful marriage, you know, but maybe, maybe you do, you know? Oh, it's like, how do we bring, it's like either we hit rock bottom or how can we do something in the relationship or whether that's through counseling that can almost bring the bottom up. So it almost yeah. like forces us, not in a pressured way, but it forces us, challenges is probably a better word, to have to look at ourselves and recognize that, okay, if I'm not showing up, I can, I can potentially lose my partner, my relationship. Right, you know? right, right. And so, you know, I think the question that has been really on my mind that I really wanted to dissect with you on this podcast is again, because I I work with a lot, a lot of women. I probably have like 80% of, you know, my following on, on social media is mostly women. And I'm always like, I want to bring more men into this conversation. So I really just want the men to feel validated, but also, you know, to hear from you, um, you know, what have you found to be the reason that men are just so much less likely to reach out for support than women? What's that resistance about? Yeah, that's like, that's such an awesome question. Um, I know it gets kind of like talked about a lot kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, okay. So, um, and just cut me off at any time. So I'll just kind of like share some of my thoughts. So um, I think that, um, you know, what, what comes to my mind first when you ask that question is really just like the concept of shame. Mm-hmm. And the idea that um, <clears throat> I think there's something very primitive and very uh, hardwired into the minds of men about having a really strong shame response when their partners are disappointed in them. Mm. And so what happens is um, if a woman is 
dissatisfied in her marriage and she says, you know, I'm, I'm really unhappy and we need to go to therapy. Well, what happens inside the, the mind of that man is that shame kind of kicks in. Mm. And in that, in that kind of heightened shame response, you know, and so for people that are listening, you know, what, you know, I know. She, so when I use the word shame, uh, just to kind of clarify, you know, um, this is some common language that maybe guys will tell me, like, what does it mean to them? Or what does it feel like to them when they feel shame? So it's, it's this feeling like they're deficient. Mm. It's this feeling like they're not good enough. Um, it's a feeling like, you know, like, like your, um, you know, your disappointed mother is looking at you coldly and she says, you are a total letdown. You know, it's that, it's that horrendous feeling that any of us have felt in our lives that, um, like we're a failure, like we don't, we're not doing it right. Like we're not living up to the expectation of somebody that we really care deeply about. And so what happens is when, when women express a dissatisfaction in the relationship, that, that sense of shame kicks in and the, the, the shame generally causes men to um, withdraw or avoid the whole topic together because it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, okay, so the, the wife says, Hey, I'm really not happy in the relationship and it's mostly because of you. And I think we need to go talk to somebody. And so in the, in the, in a very kind of like millisecond kind of way in the mind of the man, he's thinking, okay, like, I'm a failure. You're always dissatisfied with me. There's nothing I can do that's right. And now you want me to go talk to somebody and pay that person money who's going to support that position. And so now I'm going to feel doubly bad. And then, so out of that place of shame, men, they, they, they just kind of go away and going away. That's kind of metaphorical. It could be physical. It could be spiritual, emotional, but they just kind of turn inward or they avoid, or they kind of move away. So, um, that's why I think the whole, maybe we'll get to this later, but you know, the whole conversation about how you frame therapy to men has to be so different. It has to be in a way that is, um, not shame inducing. Does that make sense the way I'm kind of saying that? I don't know if I'm saying that. Absolutely. Well, it's, it just, I think you just, you know, tied it into that second piece of how important that framing is. And, you know, sometimes I work with women that are like, ah, Sylvia, I've tried everything. I've literally, I feel like I'm spoon feeding the words and I'm doing everything I can to Mm -hmm. say it in this like really respectful, non-shaming way. And yet there's still that resistance and shame response, whether it's avoidance or kind of like you said, just that withdrawing piece. Um, so is, do you notice that is, is the shame, like you said, is it more hardwired in the brain differently for men than it is for women? Because obviously women experience shame just as, I'm not going to say just as much, but we experience it in an intensity as well. But is there a brain difference there? You know, that's a great debate, you know, and, and I, as, as, as for, for me, I think there is a massive gender difference here. Mm, okay. And, and, and I'm basing that off of just the people that I work with and the people I see. And then a lot of stuff that I've read too, that kind of like supports that. But I think that there's a really big difference in men and women and in, 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 in men and women in what I will call, um, what is, 
our core insecurity as humans. Mm. And, um, and just, just to clarify too, like when I say when men and women, of course there's like nuances to this that don't apply, but you know, it's kind of like 75% of the rule that's kind of applies. Mm -hmm. So I think that the core insecurity in women by and large is a fear of being alone. Mm -hmm. And I think a, the, the core insecurity in most men by and large is the fear of being inadequate. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the whole, the whole setup in the therapy conversation is problematic if you look at it through the lens of those two core insecurities. And I think this will explain why so many men are like, hell no to therapy. Because you have an anxious wife who feels desperately alone. She feels totally minimized. She feels like not important. And so out of that really painful place, because remember her core insecurity is, is the fear of being alone. And so out of that, out of that insecure place, she says, Hey, we need to fix this. I feel horrible. I want to fix this. I want to go to therapy. I want to fix this, which totally makes sense. But usually the way that that conversation happens, it evokes the men's deepest insecurity that he's inadequate. Mm -hmm. Because implicit, even in that conversation, is that you are inadequate, you know? Totally. It's almost it's like there's like, no way around it, even if you're kind of sugarcoating it. And it's like, exactly. almost like, okay, we got to hit the elephant in the room head on. Almost exactly. Like talk to exactly. that like core vulnerability and acknowledge it because he's thinking about it. Exactly. Well, yeah, he might not even be thinking because like I, sometimes guys are like, you know, they, they haven't really found even words to describe that. Then when you, when you say it, they're like, Oh my God. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I feel totally inadequate. I feel like a total failure. So um, that you just said the piece about even they might feel the shame, but they're not aware that they're feeling it or not acknowledge they're not even, they're not even present to the fact of what's even happening inside of them, but they just know it's not feeling good and something's feeling really off for them. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I, um, I, I, when I work with couples, this is kind of like one of the first things we do in the first kind of beginning stages of, of, of therapy is I talk about that core insecurity thing and I get them to get, I get them to understand it within themselves. And so they're like, yes, that is like, that is my, that is like my big insecurity. And then I get them to really recognize it and understand it within their partners, you know, you know, to the point where they like know it, like the back of their hand, because I think it's, it's that, it's that lack of awareness in our partner's core insecurity that really plays into the conversation about why men don't go to therapy. Because like I said, implied, even in the idea of going to therapy is that you are inadequate. And so it takes a certain psychological strength to be able to overcome that shame response and say, you know, um, you know, you know, something along the lines of like, yeah, like I know that maybe there's some things I need to work on, on in my relationship, but I, as a person am not inadequate. Um, and, and, and a lot of men just need help in kind of like learning how to tell that to themselves so they can get comfortable with the idea of therapy. <laughs> Cause it's like, you're not inadequate. It's like, you're a perfect human being and you, there, there isn't anything broken about you. You're not deficient in any way, shape or form. It's just that your partner wants to feel more connected and you want to feel more connected. And 
there's an easy solution to it without collapsing under the shame. I love that because again, it's reminding us that we speak very different languages. I, I usually use the framework of men, you know, that, that, that status that's really important for men, which is very much tied to what you're speaking into, which is feeling, you know, adequate and being able to provide, whether that's, it doesn't matter how that providing looks like, but for women, it's that fear of being alone, that loss of connection that usually is what's driving that desire to get that support, to bring that connection back. Um, you know, one of the things that my partner has taught me whenever I approach him with something that's bothering me, he's like, can you remind me of all the things that I'm, I'm doing, a few things that I'm doing really well yes. before you ask me for what you need. Even yeah. if it's just like, I appreciate what you're, you know, that you're showing up and that you're you know what you're doing and that you still are happy in our relationship and that our relationship might need a few things to work on so it doesn't just kind of envelop and like gray out the entire dynamic of the relationship which i do think sometimes as women when we're in a, you know an intense emotional state we can you know approach it in that way because it's like that sense of desperation starts to really kick in you know, absolutely. You know, and, 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 and what, you know, what happens is, is like, you know, it, it, so if you look at the chronology of like, or the timeline, let's say of just any relationship, it's like, okay, there's this like wonderful period where everything's going really great, the honeymoon period. And then the honeymoon period ends. And there's this little, um, there's this, there's this first rupture in the relationship, let's say. And there's that first moment in time where we're like, wow, we're disconnected. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how it starts or who initiates it, but there's that moment in time. And let's just say, let's say, you know, the wife feels um, not as disconnected as she wants to feel, which is totally valid and good. We, 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 we would want to fix that. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, the way she kind of uh, expresses that evokes the kind of a shame response in the husband. Mm -hmm. And then in that shame response, this is all, this is all very like, you know, very EFT stuff, you know, and I know you kind of think that way too. So, yeah. so, so he pulls away and she feels more lonely, you know, and then it's like, and then the, and then it's like the cycle starts and then the couple's off and running. And so then if you just basically, you know, uh, fly out into the future, 10 years later, 15 years later, it's like, there's there's so much fragility in the relationship at this point with those two people's core insecurities that it's very difficult to overcome. Mm -hmm. So at this point in the relationship, there's been so many ruptures of that core insecurity. The wife has felt so neglected. She's felt so alone. And the husband has felt so inadequate mm -hmm. and so much like a failure that it's like the, those, those really painful emotions are just, they're just deeply ingrained in the people at this point. And so it creates this like tremendous fragility in the relationship where, um, you know, the tiniest little misstep evokes that really big insecurity. Does that mean, does that, am I saying that? Well, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Well, it's, it's like, like you're describing a buildup, you know, all this momentum that's mm, like starting yeah. to Take, take on its own life and each partner is provoking the other person's deep course insecurity and the other person is doing the same for the other partner and it's just it's almost like they just become enemies and everything they start to do in in effort to try to connect 
or you know his effort to try not to not make a mistake it's almost like there's a walking on eggshells and just not being able to really figure out how to really bridge that gap that feels sometimes impossible to bridge yeah yeah and and you know you know just going back to kind of like even your question about like men in therapy well you and i know like as as therapists that um by the time most people are initiating marriage counseling or couples therapy, the relationship's usually in a pretty bad spot. Um, That's not always the case, but most times that is the case. And so going back to your question of like, why don't men come to therapy? Well, if, if, if therapy is getting talked about at this point in time after the relationship has been in a really bad spot, well, then it's really likely that that guy in the relationship is really in a deep shame place Mm. and he's like thinking like that is the i would rather chew on glass Mm. i mean and 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 i'm not really i know that sounds like an like a, a, a dramatic way to say it but the pain that they feel the 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 emotion that shameful feeling that they feel is so strong that they would rather chew on glass than go to a therapist's office yeah it makes sense well it's like if in a way it's like even though their partner is not the one beating them up but it feels like a sense of being beat up and it's almost like imagining that something outside is going to be able to take some of that away or acknowledge the pain of that. It's just, it's not, I just don't think we have enough of an idea of what therapy actually is to believe in it. You know, at least most of us did not grow up understanding what the hell it's going to provide healing and comfort for this feeling. Oh God, no, it's going to make me have to face this feeling even more. I get enough in this relationship. Why would I go pay someone for this? Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, 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 you know, something I just, I like to talk about with like the, you know, if I talk to women about this conversation, you know, I just say, you know, there's a, there's a really good chance that you just simply don't know the shame that your husband feels Mm. because he doesn't even know how to talk about it. Mm. But I want to promise you that it is, it is like right there inside of him. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, all the pain that you feel for, you know, you know, feeling so unimportant and and feeling so lonely in your marriage. It's like, he feels the same feelings, different feelings, but the, the emotional pain that he feels is just as strong. But see men, you know, they've learned to um, just suppress that stuff or just to kind of hide from that stuff. They, you know, men, men have developed a pretty sophisticated way of kind of not showing that stuff, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. And I, I want women to know, like, don't, don't let your husband fool you. You know, don't let his stoicism, his quietness, his kind of reservedness, don't let any of that fool you because deep inside he most likely feels all these feelings that are, that are really shut down. That's such an important and beautiful distinction that you make, Quentin, because it's easy, you know, when we when I work with couples, and I'm sure you feel the same, it's easy to just kind of pay, you know, attention to the partner that's maybe more loud or is wanting that connection, but the partner that's more quiet, it's so easy to almost bypass and not even notice the thing that's happening underneath for them. And, you know, it, this kind of leads me to the next question that I, we that I really wanted to cover is really how then can we create that environment, whether it's as therapists or wives or partners, or if you're in a same sex relationship, you know, two men, how can we support men 
to, you know, want to show up better in relationships. And, you know, the first piece you just mentioned, which I think is really important for the listeners to really get is don't just buy whatever is visibly showing, really be willing to see that there's so much beneath the surface under the hood that you don't necessarily feel, but that is very often present and that's shame. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Oh gosh, I wish there was a, you know, I wish there was some like secret x-ray machine where we could see five people, you know, because it would just make life so much simpler. Um, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm just, I'm such a big fan about, about for couples getting super explicit with each other about that core insecurity thing. Mm. You know, it's like, even just, just, just don't even, it's almost like just shelve the therapy conversation. You know, when you and your partner, when you and your husband are in a good place and you're not arguing, you know, bring up that conversation, you know, ask him, do you feel this way sometimes? Do you experience these feelings sometimes in our relationship? And, um, you know, do it in a good place. So it's not like a reactivity place. But I really like people talking about that. I really like people, you know, identifying this like core insecurity. And, and what I've experienced is that if you if you lead men to that conversation in a in a safe way, in a way that it's like not in the middle of an argument, of course, but yeah. you know, you guys are sitting down and you're calm and you're having tea together and you're smiling and things feel good, you could bring this conversation up. And it, and, it, and if you bring the conversation up in a safe moment like that. Um, you know, I, I just feel like nine times out of 10 guys will say, yeah, I do feel that. And I, I don't know, I don't even know, like, I don't really tell you cause you know, X, Y, and Z, but yeah, I do feel that feeling and, and, and helping, helping, you know, people, you know, get explicit about that core insecurity is like, I think that's kind of like number one. And then I love like a thousand percent that you brought up what your partner, uh, Sylvie asks mm. you to do. <laughs> Because that's I what I have homework to do for this, Quentin. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, the funny thing is, is that like, um, the you know, I, I'm actually my wife is the one that's more avoidantly attached in mm. our relationship. Mm. I'm more anxiously attached. So, um, for people listening that maybe don't understand what that is, like, I resemble more of like the female role in my marriage, and my wife resembles more of the male role, and so. I have to do that too when I want to like, when I want to get through to her, when there's something that's on my heart, when there's something that she does that really bothers me, I have to approach her in a way that creates safety for her. Because if I just kind of go at it and I just say, well, Hey, you did this thing. I know exactly what she's going to do. My wife is going to disappear. Mm. Like she's, she's, she will totally check out to a point where, um, you know, I'll, I'll just lose contact with her because she's in her own shame response. And so, um, and it's, and, and it's what, and so it's what it's, it, it's, it's a growing edge for me personally, that if I want to talk to my wife about something, or if there's something I'm dissatisfied with, or if there's something I want to change about our relationship, I know that I have to give her a lot of goodness leading into that conversation. I have to be non-critical. I have to be really affirming to her. I have to be super appreciative. I have to say, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to plan to talk to her on Wednesday, well on Monday and Tuesday, I'm giving her so much love. I'm giving her so much praise. I'm telling her how much I really care about her, how much I really like our relationship, the things I'm really happy about because 
I'm kind of warming her up to a conversation. I don't want her to shut down. And I know that if I just kind of like go at it, then it's probably going to lead her to having a shame response and then they'll shut down. And, and so I just, I kind of frame all this stuff up as just like, I think this is good, like emotional intelligence for all of us to have, you know, we we're having like an interpersonal, like a relational intelligence for, for, so we can get our needs met in relationships. And so, you know, sometimes when I encourage wives to, to take this, to take this route, you know, and it's totally understandable. Sometimes there's a lot of resistance, you know, and they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to do that. You know, F him. And, and I get it. Cause there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of history there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, stuff that hasn't gone well. But if we look at the relationship, like I said, through that core insecurity thing and through the lens of shame and, and we, we take it upon ourselves, like I take it upon myself in, 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 in every difficult conversation with my wife, my, in my, my, there's like a little mantra going on in my head. And I say to myself, keep her at the table with me. Hmm. Beautiful. I love that. And, you know, I love that, Quinton, you're incorporating this more fluidity also within the genders and how we can identify with, you know, something that might be more identified with, with men or with women. And, you know, we do a lot of work with masculine and feminine energies and we all carry both of these, you know, we all identify with all of this, but you also mentioned, you know, the attachment styles. And for those of you listening, those who are more avoidantly attached, they tend to feel more shame much more easily. I'm, I'm more avoidantly attached. So I resonate with what your, what your wife uh, does mm-hmm. experiences very, very deeply. And it's like, if, I'm go, if we're going to go to a partner in the same way, we see them shutting down, we see them not responding. If we just keep doing it in that same way, we, we don't have an audience. You know, We don't have, there's no conversation. There's no potential for anything to be different. So, and we talk about this a lot in therapy. You know, If we really want our partner to change, it's like we have to shift our role in that dynamic. And that's what I'm really hearing and what you're saying is that you, you make a lot of effort to approach your partner in a way that, works for her so that you can be able to have your needs responded to. And I think that takes a lot of, um, first of all, self-awareness, but kind of almost like a little bit of a distance for, from your own emotional experience, experience, which can be really challenging for some people. What would, what would you say to that piece? Yeah, no, it can be. Cause you know, sometimes like I can be in a really desperate place and I'm like, man, I like really need to say this thing to her. And so I, there's, there's some discipline, there's some, um, you know, just important self-talk, you know, um, just being affirming to myself, reminding myself that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that, you know, something, I, I don't know when, but you know, something kind of clicked for me just, you know, along my own journey and my own relationship where I just, you know, kind of realized like, um, I guess even in some ways, I don't know if this is like a, it's, it's, in some ways it's, it's, it's kind of selfish too, you know, like I know how to interact with her so I can get my needs met. It's not as altruistic as I'm making it sound, you know I mean? It's helpful. It's helpful to both of us. It's helpful to her, but it's also helpful to me too, because I learned that if I just do it my way and I, you know, criticize her or, you know, attack her for doing something like it's, it's going to be my loss at the end. 
Like, because I learned that that doesn't, there's no, there's no, there's no, like, there's no efficacy with that strategy. Like it will not work. It will never work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something good for anybody listening to this, you know, criticizing your partner into changing will never, ever work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, and if they do it, the resentment is coming, believe me. And it, it's not long lasting. You know, uh, Stan Tatkin talks about this a lot with, um, do you, how do you influence your partner? Do you use guilt or shame or threaten them? Or have you developed the skills to use attraction and, um, you know, really influencing them by knowing their core vulnerabilities? It's like, we all have two to three vulnerabilities that we live with. And I think, you know, from, from my own experience and working with so many couples, they kind of live with us forever. You know, they're just mm-hmm. with us. They're like our, our core things that if they're touched too deeply, no matter how much work we've done around it, it still has the potential to come up and be an issue in the relationship. So are we, and so for those of you that just can, uh, just for the practical piece, you know, Quentin is really grounding in that approaching our partner with that core vulnerability and sensitivity in mind as we're speaking what we need is absolutely essential. Yeah, and, and I think we might even be surprised that sometimes it works too you know sometimes it works and and since we're talking about guys kind of along those same lines sylvie you know um you know i i kind of wrote something like this on like my on part of my website you know it's kind of reminding me um i i just tell guys like the way i kind of frame it up to guys you know like if i get that guy in therapy and i can tell like he's kind of resistant to being there and his wife dragged him i'll just i'll say something kind of like you know, um, Dr. Stan is talking about, I'll just say, Hey, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. And all you need to do is just learn a few skills in here and that's it. Mm. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really mean anything about you as a person and you're not broken and you're not a bad guy. It's just like, it's as simple as this. Um, you don't, you don't know how to speak Japanese and sometimes your wife wants to speak Japanese with you. And I'm just going to help you learn some Japanese words. And it's just, it's, it's just as easy as that. Well, you're acknowledging the shame piece in that, right? You're, you're, exactly. you're saying it in a way that you're not shaming the person as a whole, but you're really just saying, oh, there's just some skills to learn. And you're exactly. optimistic about it, which I think brings so much, even just listening to you, it's like, oh my God, yes, I want to learn Japanese. You know, I yeah. want to learn some new yeah. skills. Because yeah. I feel bad about myself as a person, which I do exactly. think you can accidentally um, project a lot of that stuff on our male partners, which I think, you know, in some ways, there's a question that I wanted to ask you. This might be a good lead into that. Um, Well, before we get to that, actually, I want to ask you something else. So there's that distinction, right? That now we're at a place where, okay, we've learned that the man has some deep shame and being aware of that core vulnerability is really, really important in how we approach them and frame things after we've made a few attempts and we're still not getting a response. You know, what, what do we do when our partner, our man is is refusing to get that help? You know, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is it does make us feel better to walk away from a relationship when we know we've really tried Mm. while we've taken in their sensitivity in mind and not just made it all about ourselves. But I feel like there's, there's, there's more that I would love for you to speak on about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I guess what you're kind of saying is like, what do you, what do you do if that kind of like doesn't work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Well, okay, so bef before, okay, so let me just, I'll say, I'll kind of answer the question maybe in like a, like a slightly different way. I, sure. I would just say this, I would just say, um, remember I was talking earlier about like that timeline of any given relationship and how there's like so much fragility in the relationship. And if there's been, you know, five, 10, 15 years of all these ruptures of, of, of the, of the husband living in the shame of feeling like a failure. And then, um, so, so what happens is, is like that, that emotion is pretty deeply ingrained and in order for your husband to kind of come out of that emotional place, if you will, and, and start to feel less shame and start to feel a little bit more safer around the conversation, it usually takes more time than people realize. Mm -hmm. And so it's really like my encouragement to anybody listening is just trying to understand that like, you know, if, if you, if, if your husband's been living in that shame place for 15 years, um, you know, being encouraging like three times, isn't going to like probably change the tide. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm not saying that like judgmentally towards anybody listening. It's more of just like helping people understand and see that like we, you know, we have to, you know, safety takes a long time to foster and to nurture and to create and to really build. And so in my experience, um, people don't, uh, people generally don't give uh, credit for, for how uh, much pain there has been. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you kind of, you know, that's like, oh, you know, it's like, we've been in couples counseling for six sessions, you know, it's like, isn't it, shouldn't it be better? It's like, well, there's been like, there's been a lot of stuff leading up. And so that's why it's not better. There's just more time that needs healing. There's more patience. There needs to be more encouragement, more support. And, and, and so, um, you know, what I was, what I was getting at is that a lot of times people feel like, gosh, I did that and it didn't work. And then I kind of inquire into it. I say, okay, well, tell me what you did and what, what were you doing? And how long did you do it for? And it's, and then my takeaway is usually like, well, that probably isn't going to, isn't going to get there. Mm -hmm. That probably isn't going to meet the need in order for the husband to move out of that place of inadequacy to adequacy. Mm -hmm. So, so, so that's, that's just something for everybody maybe just to think about. Okay. So usually it just takes a little bit more time and it requires us to be a, a little bit more patient. Well, and it almost makes me think like we have to have other resources for support as we tolerate that kind of awkward transitional period. You know what I mean? Yes, that's a great point. That's a great point. We need to be able to vent about how frustrating this is that you're being so kind and so nurturing and so loving and your husband's still not giving you an inch. Because it is, it's going to be maddening. And, you know, just for anybody, you know, listening, it's like, I, I just want to validate that it is going to feel like the most frustrating experience in the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's not without hope or it's not without purpose because people do come around. You're, it's like, and this is, this, and this, is the, this is the thing that like your husband wants to feel connected to mm. he, the way he feels. He hates the tension that he feels and he wants nothing more than to feel better. Also, mm -hmm. 
It's just that the shame that he feels overrides the desire to make a difference. So when those two emotions are kind of at odds with each other, the shame feeling usually wins out. So we have to work through the shame and really be with it and create a safe environment until we can really get to a place of bridging that connection in a, in a meaningful way, which makes so much sense. And I think just, just the shame piece alone and you know, for people listening that are even starting to maybe even just become newly familiarized with how much of a role this plays for men is so um, important, but also you know, the, the, the thing that I wanted to ask you kind of as we wrapped up this uh, podcast episode was, is kind of what you're already speaking to. You're, you're being very validating for women, you know, because I work with a lot of women or women come to me and they're like, Sylvie, I've been doing this. You know, I have compassion burnout here with my man or like, you know, I feel yeah. like I've done it all. I'm so frustrated. I don't want to take on that role of trying to motivate and caretake and inspire my man on this emotional level or try to, you know, quote unquote, get him to want to do the work, you know? And so I, you're already kind of answering this, but if you have any other words of encouragement or advice that you can offer for the ladies to really get them to really stick around when it's, when it's, when they're in that period where they might just need a little bit of patience and there's, you know, that light at the end of the corner and just, you know, any words you have about that, I think would be really, really validating also for the woman here. Yeah. I, I, so, you know, I just want you to know that like, I've seen, I've seen the transformations happen like in my own life. So everything that I'm saying to the listeners is not just theoretical. Like I've seen these things really happen. I've seen the power that can happen when a, a, a wife is able to um, move from that critical place to a more supportive and nurturing place. I've seen the transformation that can happen. And so if that is encouraging, I want you guys to know that like that's super, super possible. Mm. You know, when we, when we, when we think about getting people to change or, you know, human behavior and eliciting change, there's really two roads. There's a road that is rewarding and there's a road that's about punishment. And this is like very classic kind of like, you know, Pavlov's dog kind of thing. So, you know, if, if, if I want my wife to be different, I can inspire her through love and grace and kindness that will elicit change, or I can try to intimidate her and scare her. And these are the only, we only have, these are really the only two paths that we have. And, and what I think we, what most people do as humans, I think it's just kind of like maybe innate in our human behavior. We usually get scared and fear kicks in inside of us. And we usually choose path number two, where we try to use, um, it's like out of that frustration we try to get people to change. Totally. That, like that desperation and when that we all can feel. Right. Like I, I often say when, you know, me and my partner are in a fight and I, I'm so desperate to get him to hear my perspective because I feel so out of control and I have to actually, God forbid, for feel my feelings, right? Yeah. And so I often, you know, have to repair. I have to go back and let him know, hey, you know, that approach was really not cool. I was really desperate, you know, and acknowledging that we are still going to punish and criticize and do all these things in our relationships, but how to bring it back to like what you said, eliciting change in a way that's 
kind and loving. And so we actually feel good about ourselves too. It's not even just about our partner. It's like, it's a spiritual journey, you guys. I mean, yeah. I feel like everyone that embarks on an, int an intimate relationship, it so challenges us to have to show up in ways that um, constantly redirects us to either be in integrity with ourselves or, you know, act out in ways that are, are just, they're not good for even ourselves, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, because it, I, it is such a spiritual journey. I mean, marriage or, you know, intimate relationships in general will, um, will demand mm. that we change. That's such a beautiful way to put better. it. It's such a truthful way of putting it, right? It does demand. Yeah. I mean, because without, you know, without change, without changing the things within ourselves that we need to change that, you know, true intimacy isn't possible because, you know, we all show up to the relationship with baggage and with insecurities and with things that are, you know, with things that need healing. And so if we can just take ownership of those things and really just try to work on those things, you know, that's all anybody could ever ask of us. You know, that's what's going to help us sleep well at night, you know, and that's what I really love telling my clients too. I just say, hey, look, you know, you can't change your partner. You can just do your part. And if you can do your part, and the thing and the really in the end the relationship doesn't work you're going to sleep really well at night knowing that you really gave it your all and you mm. did everything that you needed to do that was important for you i love that i love that <laughs> and you know i think you know what comes to me as we've been just having this conversation is also for men is you know acknowledging their growth and the baby steps it's really easy to get fixated on some external thing and place we want to be in our relationship and miss the little efforts and the moments of even them showing up to a therapy session or you know responding even a tiny bit differently with us and to be really vigilant with paying attention to that change in growth and telling them so they feel like okay this is worth my effort this is worth me trying and being uncomfortable for um I just can't love that statement enough about it demanding us to really grow and change and really reevaluate if our approach is even something that um, is really aligned with who we want to be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And just, just to kind of echo that, 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 that thing you said, you know, it's like we, you know, as human beings, and I, I have to be really careful of this myself too, because sometimes you know, my clients can frustrate me. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, people, what are you doing, right? Totally. And, and, and I have to really take a step back and say, you know what? Like, we, you know, as humans, we, we love getting praise. Like it's, it's like water to our soul when someone we care about recognizes us and says, thank you for doing that. And you did a really great job right there. And I'm really impressed with you and I'm proud of you. And I see what you did and I'm noticing it. And it's like when people say that to us, we, 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 it's like that water, you know, it's like, Oh my God, that felt so good. I want more of that. Like, how do I, how do I do more? You know, we're like, we're all just like little circus animals. You know, we want to do tricks for like yeah. the rewards, you know? And it's give like, and that's, yeah, it. give it, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, and it kind of like, I have a six year old son. And he's like in that stage, you know, where he's like, daddy, did you see what I did? I'm like, I'm so impressed with you Aww. climbing that ladder, you know? And he's like, daddy, watch, I'll even climb it again, you know? And it's like, it just even brings tears to my eyes right now talking about it. It's like so beautiful in our, in our humanness that we, we love for people that love us to notice us. Mm -hmm.
you know, and like, and, and, it, and it's not any different with our intimate relationships with our partners, you know, we want, we want them to say, wow, you've been working so hard. I really appreciate what you do. You know, but, but again, if we're kind of burnt out and we're like all, you know, you know, it's, it's hard to say those things. And I totally understand that, but sometimes we just have to kind of like muster the courage and, and find it within the depths of ourselves to be able to say it anyway. May we never lose touch with that innocent part of us that can be vulnerable enough to, to acknowledge that we need that. Right. Yeah. You know, like that we all need yeah. that. No matter how self-evolved and aware and spiritual and godlike and all these things that we can say, we're human and we mm -hmm. need that. And it's essential that that is that that level of appreciation is being nourished in, in the relationship. Yes. Well, I'd love for everyone to know, Quentin, how they can find your amazing presence. And please tell us a little bit about the Black Belt Husband book. So Quentin has a book on Amazon called The Black Belt Husband. It's a marriage book, particularly for men, and where people can find that. I'll post about it, by the way, in the, in the notes for this, so you guys can, you can, guys can see the, the link for the book if you're interested. Yeah, so you can, just, you can find the book on Amazon. Just type in Black Belt Husband. and um, I. I specifically wanted to write a marriage book just for men because I felt like there wasn't a lot out there really, really trying to speak for men. And so um, for, for the men out there that um, are interested in reading it, I think it's, I, I, I think it would be helpful to you. Of course I'm biased. I wrote it, you know, but, and, and, and even for women too, um, you know, I've had a lot of women say that they were happy that they read it because it gave them a picture of what they know they deserve in a relationship. So uh, you can find that on Amazon. And then my personal website is just my name, quentinhafner.com, um, if you, if, uh, you guys want to check me out there. Perfect. And I'll put a link for both of these in, in the notes for the podcast. Quentin, I just think you're incredible. And I'm so grateful that you came on this podcast. And I can't wait to share that. Can't wait for everyone to just get to know you more deeply. And I'm just so appreciative. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Silly. It's really nice to chat with you, and um, I'm honored to, to come on and, and to be part of this, so thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. I'm going to link Quentin's information in the notes for this episode, including his website. You can find him at quintinhafner.com. It's spelled Q-U-E-N-T-I-N-H-A-F-R. N-E-R.com. He's also available on Instagram and it's Quentin underscore Hafner and his Amazon book is going to be linked on the notes. Again, I appreciate your presence so much here and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.